Well, good morning. Welcome to Randall Church. We're so glad you're here with us this morning. Uh, as we're getting started here today, we're just really grateful that you're here and you're a part of all that's happening with us as a church. And so uh, we just want to invite you to be part of what's going on online. So we know that there's a number of uh, things that you could be doing this morning, but you're here and you're with us. And we thank you so much uh, for that. So as we begin our conversation today, uh, we want you to know that there's three things as a church that we are passionate about. Uh, first of all, three relationships that really matter. First of all, our relationship with Christ, our relationship with the church, and our relationship with the community. So those are the three things that we just want to be able to highlight each time that we come. Now, I have here, this is my mask that I've been wearing this week. Uh, today we're supposed to start wearing masks, I guess, or, or maybe yesterday. And so I'm really not sure whether I'm supposed to have this thing on while I'm talking or not talking. Uh, Mario, did you bring something so that you're, so Pastor Mario's here with me this morning. Uh, you look like you're about to rob a bank. And, uh, and, and Brian, Pastor Brian is here as well. And uh, you didn't bring one. Uh, but you are prepared for this, aren't you? Well, I, I would like to thank um, somebody uh, last week. So on Easter Sunday last week, we had a great morning. I came out to my car ready to go home. And I'd just like to thank whoever um, reminded me by putting this in my car. I don't oh know my goodness. who you are, but uh, I appreciate it. If you don't know, this is uh, Helen Randall, which is our namesake here at the church. Helen Randall's head in paper mache. Uh, this was created by, I believe, the Smith family about three or four years ago at our Fall Fest. Uh, so I don't know if it is the Smiths or somebody else, but uh, I guess this is a good uh, 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 PSA of, of wearing your mask. But this definitely freaked me out yesterday, or last Sunday. So thank you, whoever, uh, whoever did this. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, I, might, uh, I might put it in somebody else's car. So you might find this uh, in your car someday. Maybe we'll pass it around for years to come. Who knows? I feel like I need to put my mask on just being close to whatever that is. Yeah, right. I don't want anything to do with any of that. All right. Yeah, I will say, we went, I got some Lenovo pizza Friday night. Yeah. They did give me a weird look when I walked in. With yeah, don't, no, no question. All right, so hey, we're glad you're here with us this morning. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we're going to talk about this morning's uh, discussion point will be this. What to do when you aren't sure what to do. And, and we're making light of this morning with something as simple as, am I supposed to have my mask on? Am I not supposed to have my mask on? We're definitely in a season where, what are you supposed to be doing when we don't know exactly what we're supposed to be doing? And so we're in a sermon series. We're calling it Table Talk. Uh, we're going to do the best that we can to invite you into the conversation. And so uh, while I'm speaking here and kind of interacting with these guys, uh, they're also going to be looking at our Facebook stream and uh, being able to interact with you. So if you've got questions, if you've got comments that you want to make, if you want to tell us uh, what, uh, what you've been wearing your mask for, uh, you can start with that if you'd like. Uh, it's just a way to kind of get a dialogue going, and we're going to interact with some of that here. Uh, what to do when you aren't sure what to do. And so there's no question that we are in some tough times. And tough times sometimes come for tough decisions, and I'm certainly glad that I'm not responsible for some of the toughest decisions that are being made right now, that I just get to kind of follow, uh, follow step of what I've been told to do. And I'm sure that some of you, although you don't always love that, you're just glad, be glad that you're not making the biggest decisions. Uh, but some of the decisions that I'm making, and maybe you're making right now, is as to what television shows to watch, of all things. Because... Uh, we are confined to our homes for the most part. We're probably watching more television than we're used to watching. 
Uh, in our house, we do watch a lot of Netflix and Netflix series. If you're familiar uh, with that platform, they always kind of leave you with a cliffhanger so that the next episode is really important. They want to hook you and get you to come back for another one, particularly if you've watched a whole season of a show and now they want you to have to wait for the next season uh, to come. Uh, it's, a, it's a big kind of hanging there that leaves you out. I feel like it's my responsibility as a consumer of these videos, as a consumer of the entertainment that's been provided to me, that when I finish one episode, that I stop there and do not overstep my bounds and begin the next episode. My wife, however, does not feel the same way. She believes that it's on Netflix for the reason to begin the next episode, the next season, watch the first three minutes of the next episode to make sure that the character who is in danger is no longer in danger. That's very important for her. Then she can rest and go to sleep at night. Why do we do that? Well, ultimately because we don't want to wait. And we talked a little bit about this last week. Easter Sunday, all the excitement that comes with Easter Sunday. And then we see uh, Jesus Christ at the top of a mountain with his apostles, with his disciples, his inner circle. And he says, I'm going to leave you, but you're going to have to wait for season two. You see the Gospel of Luke, uh, the author Luke, he has written us uh, the first season, which was the Gospel of Luke. And we have an account of many uh, of the uh, apostles have written their Gospels for us. And then we get into what's going to be season two of the, or episode two would be the Acts of the apostles. And just like every good second season, there's always the reintroduction of all the characters. And Jesus is again reintroduced as the main character, the main thing that we need to keep our eyes on. He's being reintroduced as the Messiah of the Old Testament who has been foretold for generations. And Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And we hear about him and how he's come to earth. And in the first season or in the Gospel of Luke, we find that Jesus Christ came and he did miracles and he saved and he healed and he did tremendous things. But then he told his disciples that he was going to have to die for us. And so in that process, as the end of the first season closes, what happens is Jesus gave his life for the people that he loved, for you and for me. And in doing so, we see this main character three days after giving his life. We see him rise from the grave. And what an exciting uh, Sunday that was last Sunday to be able to celebrate that with you, even if not face to face, screen to screen. So then we go through that season and what we find now, this amazing thing that happened, what's going to happen next is that Jesus Christ gathers his apostles, gathers his disciples, he goes to the top of the mountain and he says there is something even more exciting that is coming. Uh, that the Holy Spirit is going to come and is going to give you the power to move forward in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And there they are. Jesus ascends into heaven, much like when uh, my kids are at Wegmans and they lose a balloon, it just goes up. We're not sure what it looked like or what, what that was actually like, but Jesus just leaves them there. And now what are they supposed to do? Uh, they're just like a bunch of graduates from a high school or college. They've gotten through uh, this, this kind of training event, and now they're going to step out into the real world on their own. 
I've watched this happen. I was a youth pastor for a number of years, and we watch our graduates come out of high school and they begin their lives together, or uh, watch graduates coming out of college. And it's been my privilege and my honor to be able to work with young couples as they're deciding to be married or deciding what the next steps of their life will be. And there's so many decisions uh, in that phase of life that impact us uh, tremendously. The, who will be your mate? What will be your job? Where will I live? All of those decisions are important ones. But I would, I would venture to say that right now, in the environment that we are in, we all are in the middle of some pretty tough decision-making things. We are confronted with decisions that we've never anticipated having to make. Decisions that have to do with our families and how we will treat our families. Decisions that have to do with our relationships and how are we going to interact with each other and who are we going to spend time with uh, individually or personally or who are we going to stay away from. Uh, career decisions. Some of you have lost your job. Millions of people around this country have lost their jobs. Parenting decisions. How are you going to uh, raise your kids and teach and do all of those things and work within your home? All of these decisions are not easy. They are tough, tough decisions. And just like the apostles, the time frame for these decisions is short and our options are limited. What are we going to do? So before we get a little bit further into this, I want to just ask you guys, do you have any examples of being in that spot? Maybe it was when you were a high school student going into college or just, man, where those decisions seem so tough. Whether that's a, a, an example from the past or maybe even something from right now, just some of the tough decisions uh, that you were able to make. Brian, you want to go first? Yeah, I'd say for us, uh, kind of the, you know, one of those big kind of magnitude decisions that we had kind of in our recent past uh, was actually deciding to come here. Uh, we had been in Rochester. We'd been planning a church in, in Rochester, and uh, it was time for us to move on. It was time for us to transition, and we were free agents, so to speak, and uh, you know, we had some opportunities available to us back in Boston where we went to school. Um, we had some uh, opportunities in Philadelphia. Uh, and then uh, uh, a friend of mine said, hey, why don't you have lunch with this guy Milo? And uh, so we met uh, uh, in Batavia. We had five guys in Batavia and started talking. And that was the kind of the start of uh, my family, Molly, and our family deciding kind of where to go next and what kind of path to choose. And ultimately, we felt uh, the Holy Spirit leading us here. That's great. There yeah. was not five guys in Rochester. That was the restaurant. Five the restaurant guys. five yes. guys. Yeah, yeah it I wasn't me and five guys. I was, was, uh, want to clarify yes. that, like two men in a truck, whatever <laughs> yes. that, that business is. Mara, what's an example for you of just this tough decision-making process and what that looks like and what you've experienced in the past? Uh, well, very similar to Pastor Brian, uh, our, our move back to New York was a big, uh, big decision that we had to make in our life, in our family life. We were, uh, I was in the Marines, we were stationed in Japan, and uh, we were planning on living the rest of our life in, in Japan until the government told us we had to move out, uh, <laughs> being stationed there because we just loved it so much. And uh, it just came time to, uh, to make a decision. Do I re-enlist in the military or do I retire? And I was, and I joke around about this, um, I was on a seven mile run, which was very boring. Um, but it was during that run that I was praying about, Lord, what do I do? Yeah. And it was during that time alone with the Lord that he said, need to get out of service and go into full-time ministry. And so we, we packed up within the next six months and we were, we were back in New York. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, I know there's some people right now making some really tough decisions when it comes to caring for family members. We've got people in our church that are making some really tough decisions when it comes to fostering children and what that means and, and taking additional children. And, and, uh, and then there's the, the more lighthearted decisions that are being made as to how to spend our days and what Netflix series to watch and those type of things. Uh, but let's talk for a minute about some really good ways to make bad decisions. Some really good ways to make bad decisions. When you first look at this list, uh, you might get trapped into thinking that this would be uh, positive. So first, uh, we would say a good way to make a bad decision would be to follow your heart or follow your emotions. Uh, the second example would be to use your head. Do you feel like you've given these advice to other people before? This is a good way to make a bad decision, is to use your head or trust your intellect. Uh, or thirdly, to trust your gut. Uh, or your intuition. These are good ways to make bad decisions. Now, uh, what do we mean by that? Because many of us actually will make plenty of bad decisions all on our own uh, and, and decisions that don't have to do with these things. I I'll deal with the first one first. The idea of follow your heart. Uh, it's something that we tell our kids, man, when you, you just go out there, you follow your heart, you do the very best you can. And the reality is, is that we are told in Scripture that our hearts are deceitfully wicked, that we actually will always pursue a selfish nature. The thing that will, will benefit me the best is the thing that I will do, uh, whether or not that is a good decision or a biblical decision or a godly decision. Uh, following my heart, following my emotional desire at this moment is not the best advice to give people. That is a good way to make a bad decision. What about the second one, guys? Use your head. Any, either one of you want to be able to talk about that one? Well, I think it's tricky because we do want to use our head, right? right. I mean, we're, it's, not, it's not some blind faith we make where we just say, all right, Lord, it, if it doesn't make any sense, if it's completely foolish, I'll still do it, right? So, but trusting in your head, just to, to kind of leave, leave God out of it and to just say what's, what makes the most financial or what makes the most kind of practical sense. Sometimes that is the, the way the Lord is leading, but sometimes, and we see this in Scripture a lot, he will lead people to do things that make absolutely no sense, but... Uh, we see them trusting the Lord and the Lord opens up a, a, play, a path uh, when, uh, when it didn't look like it was going to work at all. Right. Yeah. And we see in the book of, uh, the book of Solomon, that is not a book. <laughs> uh, there's the Song of Solomon, and that wasn't where I was going to go with this at all, but the book of Ecclesiastes, mm -hmm. uh, that this comparison, this difference between knowledge and wisdom, mm -hmm. and knowledge will fail us because if we get in our minds that we can... Uh, work out the problem that is a it's a math problem that has a solution that there's always going to be a solution we will always come up short our intellect will come up short the bible teaches us that over and over and over again and yet we still continue to try to assume that we're going to make great decisions if we have the best thinkers in the room uh, if we have all the knowledge in the world that we'll be able to do that and so uh, I don't know about you, maybe in the comment thread you can throw that in there, that you might have got caught in the trap of using your heart, following your heart, or using your head. What about the third one, Mario? Trust your gut. Well, I think it goes along with uh, what, what the, the proverb it says in Proverbs chapter 16. In his heart a man determines his step, but the Lord determines his course. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what you feel is good for you. Mm -hmm. If you're not seeking wise counsel from God's word, from, if you're not seeking after the Lord, 
uh, your, your plans will be thwarted because yeah. it's the Lord ultimately who will lead and direct, needs to lead and direct you. Yeah, yeah I read a book by uh, Malcolm Gladwell, uh, which is called Blink. And it just, he, he does this whole process, this whole psychological evaluation as to uh, different, uh, different authors. That he, one example he gives is an art curator where they had these pictures on the wall and they just had people come in and they couldn't tell you why. They just, their gut said there was something off about that picture and it was, it was a forgery. And he makes this whole argument for why we, in a blink, whatever your first instinct is, is the one that you should follow. And that's not biblical, ultimately, because my first instincts are not God's first instincts. Now, I'm growing in that, right? I desire for that, but that is not the first thing uh, that we should do. So those are good ways to make bad decisions. As good as they look, uh, many of us uh, will be making bad decisions if we follow this as our course of action. So aren't you glad, because I think that that would be basically where I would typically head, aren't you glad that God has something to say about this? Aren't you glad that we are given in Scripture a different way to be able to drive forward? So I'm going to give you the four things this morning. If, if you just love to take notes, these are the four things we're going to talk about today, and we're going to kind of dig in a little bit on each one. This is God's way to make better decisions. So there was good way to make bad decisions. Here's God's way to make better decisions. Here it is, a four-step process. First, pause. Second, read and reflect. Third, assess. Four, yield. Pause, read and reflect, assess, and yield. So what we're going to do, if you've got your Bibles open this morning, hopefully you do, we're in Acts chapter 1, and we're going to ask this question once again, what to do when you aren't sure what to do? Now remember, the apostles... They're on the top of the mountain. Uh, they, they, they've been given uh, all the authority in heaven and earth, but they don't know what it is that they're supposed to do. They've got some serious decisions to make. So let's begin reading uh, chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. Here we go. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room that they were staying. Those present were Peter John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. They all joined together in constant prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. What are we going to do when we're not sure what to do? The first point we make this morning, or the first step is this, pause. What are we going to do when we don't know what to do? Pause. All right. So, uh, as we look at this passage, we see everyone at the top of the hill. Now, now, as as they come down, uh, there is some argument that could be made. Uh, they're not sure what to do. That they actually return to the same house, the same location that the Lord's supper was at. It is an upper room. It is near that location. Uh, Brian, I don't know if you looked much into this. It seems ridiculous at first to say, oh, they went to the same location, the same room. But actually, when you kind of dig into it, the argument is kind of valid. Yeah, so, um, so the, the article is used, the upper room. And yep. so it's in there. Um, but it do, they do preface by saying the upper room where they're staying. And so, uh, make a long story short, we don't know exactly uh, what it is, but uh, again, anytime, we'll talk about this in a second, anytime a little detail is given, there's usually a reason behind it. So yeah. uh, to say that they went to the upper room where they were staying um, certainly has the feeling that that's exactly what's going on here. Yeah. 
I found that to be interesting. I mean, it seems like an important location, an important place, a place where they had remembered that they had been given, you know, on our communion table that we serve communion at, this do in remembrance of me. Like, they are remembering their Savior, they're remembering Christ, and they go back to that spot. And it seems to me that the first thing that they do as they pause, or Brian, you like to use the word ponder, mm-hmm. uh, as they, they kind of take inventory and just wait, hold on a second, uh, as they do that, they go back to the place that they remember Christ speaking to them most clearly. And isn't this very much the very first act of obedience that they are making? Uh, the apostles there have been told that something spectacular is going to happen. Uh, that they were going to be, again, going from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the earth. But in doing so, they wanted to start first at that last location. Uh, there's also some other unusual things about uh, the listing here and the way that things come together. Um, but I guess I want to point out the idea that there were women present. Uh, this is an unusual thing. Uh, this would not be part of the common practice of, of anyone uh, of that time frame. Uh, so it's unusual to have women involved. It's unusual that the family members would have been there. Uh, the, the, it actually gives credibility to Christ's story that all the family members were there uh, along with it be, because they knew who Christ was and they knew that he was the Savior, the Messiah, and they were there uh, as an endorsement of this process. Anything else you guys notice that's just, just unusual maybe about this, this pausing? Well, yeah, I mean, the women being there, like you mentioned, is, is, uh, would be very noteworthy because women were... Uh, considered almost next to nothing in a first century context. I mean... We just shrugged uh, that off now. Yeah, like, yeah right. You know, like, they're just next to nothing. Right. Well, they, I mean... Be in, careful. In a, yep, in a court case, in a court case, they could have witnessed the murder and their testimony wouldn't have made any difference in a, in a first century courtroom. So, yeah, I mean, in those days, they were just not seen as a social part of anything that was valid. And so I've even heard the argument that why would, if you were going uh, to create this wild story about Jesus returning from the dead, right, you'd want it, if, if, if it wasn't true, you'd want it to be as credible as possible, right? And so you would never have mentioned women, right? If you, the start, you start mentioning women, people would be like, okay, yeah, Jesus rose from the dead, all right, yeah, the women saw it, right? And they were so, the first ones there. Exactly. Yeah, great, yeah. And so uh, it actually gives more credence to the fact that men, women, family, men, like all of these people from different uh, socioeconomic areas and different cultures, they were all coming together to witness the exact same thing. This is actually a, a clue to give us that um, this is actually credible because no propaganda, if that's what the disciples were trying to do, would have ever mentioned women because that's the first, the first thing you do to throw, to throw it out and say, well, this, this obviously isn't true. Yeah. I find it neat, too, that that, that also is a difference, right, about uh, the synagogue and the Jewish tradition that this new church, because that's what we're looking at here, really, right? We're looking at the book of Acts to be able to say what are the, the building blocks, the components of what the church was really meant to be, the origin story of the church that Christ gave his life for. That we, not in a building like this, not in a location like this, well, we want to get right down to the root of it. Like, like, like we're studying the, a very mission of God. If we're going to study that, how was it originally pushed out? Because we want to be able to see the bare bones side of that. And that this was going to be different. That uh, women, children, family members, that they were going to be part of God's very mission. That was something entirely different than it come up to that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention because it's so unique how Paul, uh, um, Luke here, right, he's continuing the story. Yeah. 
So these names are not new names that we haven't heard before. These are folks that we've already read about. This is season two, right? Yeah, Yeah, right. Season two. Yeah, right. And so we see what's happened in the book of Luke, what's happened in the Gospels is continuing on. And at, and I really I love the scripture where um, in, in Hebrews there's a place where it says these things were written for our benefit, yeah. and it's almost as if if that's the case. Like Brian Brian mentioned that yeah this would be kind of odd in that first century to, to mention the women, mm-hmm. but for us now two thousand years later to read that and realize the church is not just the men and you know it's not just it's it's everybody men women and children, and so it's it's awesome that how God even two thousand years ago in orchestrating the scripture for us today puts that in there so that we can, um, we, can, we can see what the church is all about, people. It's not the building, it's the people. That's great. All right, so I want to restate that, that point of what do you do when you aren't sure what to do. Now, guys, also, as we're going through this, if you want to interrupt me at any point because there's some comments coming in that you want to mm-hmm. interact with, be sure to do that. Uh, so we gave you the first point was what do you do when you aren't sure what to do? Pause. Uh, the second point is this. Uh, the second step is this, read and reflect. So what do you do when you aren't sure what to do? Pause, then read and reflect. Watch what the apostles do here, beginning in verse 15. So we read and reflect. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. And he said this, brothers and sisters, that's notable, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number. He shared in our ministry. And then we see he gave this parenthesis. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong. His body burst open and all of his intestines spilled out. It's very, very specific, (laughs) Apostle uh, Peter here, uh, spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language, Ekdalma, I believe is how it said, that is the field of blood. For, Peter said, it is written in the book of Psalms, so he is going back to what he's been reading, may this place be deserted, let no one dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Now, the Apostle Peter, what are you going to do when you aren't sure what to do? First, pause. Second, read and reflect. First, pause. Second, read and reflect. Here's what the Apostle Paul is doing. Excuse me, the Apostle Peter is doing. First of all, It's noteworthy that his name is listed first here. And actually, when you hear the disciples named all the way through Scripture, Peter is almost always listed first because he was a leader among the disciples. But let's not forget, only a couple pages previously, in the first season, if you will, uh, Luke had documented quite well the fact that the Apostle Peter had failed and denied Jesus three times. He also documents quite well that the Apostle Peter was brought back into the fold by Jesus three times. And he said, feed my lambs. And so the Apostle Peter stands up. It says he takes leadership. He realizes that now he's graduated. They've graduated. They're going to have to step forward. They're going to have to make some decisions. And the decision he makes first is that he's going to have to step forward, take some leadership. And he goes and he studies. He reads. He reflects. He looks to see what is it that God has taught us in the past. And he goes what? To God's Word. He goes to Scripture and he studies from the book of Psalms. This passage is written in the book of Psalms. May his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it. And may another take his place of leadership. And we'll see in just a moment that he is going to make an argument for replacing Judas with a new leader. 
But if we're going to use this as a blueprint for how we are going to do, what are we going to do when we aren't sure what to do? Our decision-making process begins as we pause and then secondly as we read and reflect. Uh, guys, I, Brian, I know that you're itching on this one because you love to read and reflect. You love to, <laughs> to dive in here. What are some things that you're picking up on from the passage right here? Yeah, a couple things. Um, again, whenever you see a number in Scripture, that should alert you that the, the, the author is trying to do something here. So uh, we see Luke specifically say there's 120. And so again, uh, authors in the Bible, they do not give random details just to fill space. So w- what are we to do that? And he says about 120. He doesn't say 120, he says about 120. Now in the Jewish world, 120 uh, represented completeness. And, and the reason for that is uh, back in Genesis 6, uh, God sees that man is kind of, his evil is, is starting to uh, get out of control. And so he caps the number of years that a man's going to live to 120. He says that in Exodus, or, uh, Genesis 6. He says, all right, 120, that's the longest you're going to go, right? And then later on, we see that Moses lives to 120, and then he dies. And so uh, Jewish people have read that for a long time and said, ah, so 120 is sort of this idea of completeness, of fullness. And so there's actually a saying in the Jewish world that says, may you live until 120. And that's sort of a, a standard greeting in order to say, may you live a long, complete, full, uh, full life. And so to mention that here, to say there was about 120, we're supposed to kind of pick up on this uh, little, uh, little nuance of uh, there, it's complete. It's almost there, but it's not quite there. It's about 120. And, and we need to see that, that they're quite there, but there's one last thing left to do, right? They're sitting there, they're waiting. They know that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon them. And they're sitting there, and Peter takes charge. He takes uh, leadership charge. He says, guys, there's one. We're about at 120. We're, we're just about there. But there's one last thing to do. And so this is what he decides. He says, we've got to replace Judas. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that seems like a really, like, basic detail. You'd think, like, if, if they were about ready to go out and tell everyone about Jesus, that, they're the, that he was the Messiah, that he died, he rose again— You'd think like, ah, oh, we're a man short. You'd think they'd be like, oh, well, we'll figure that out later. You'd think mm-hmm. there'd be more important details. But, but this is what Peter decides. He says, we are almost there. We're almost ready to be sent out. But we got this one last thing to do. Why? Why is that? And the reason is, is because what they're going to do is when they go out, they're going to use prophecy as one of the biggest tools to prove to people, particularly Jewish people, that Jesus is the Messiah. They're going to point back to the Old Testament, and they're going to say, look at all of these things that pointed to a Messiah coming. Now we want to show you that Jesus fulfilled them all. And so prophecy is like their number one weapon, their number one tool to get people to accept that. And one of the biggest prophecies that Jesus fulfills is that he becomes the new Davidic line. He becomes the new King David. That was their hero back in the Old Testament. And so there's prophecy that say when the Messiah comes, he's going to be like David. And so when you read David and you read particularly in the Psalms, the Psalms that he writes, you start to ask the question, well, what ways, in what ways was David like Jesus? And one of the big ones in, in the Psalms for David is lament Psalms. He's lamenting all the time about um, getting uh, betrayed, uh, stabbed in the back, uh, ganged up on. And so he writes these lament psalms and about we don't, that. We don't sing those songs nearly We do as not. Much no, we, we, I mean, we leave those off to the side. Which right? There's <laughs> absolutely as many songs that are lament and, and crying out and, and God, why have you yes. put me in this situation? Yes. And, and, and many times 
a season like now would be mm-hmm. a great season to be reading the Psalms because Absolutely. you're going to actually connect with much of what's going on there. Totally. I mean, often we sing songs of worship and songs of praise that are coming from mm-hmm. the Psalms, but you are absolutely right. There is a huge part of Psalms that yeah. is all about lament, and that's where he goes. Totally. And so when they looked at the when they looked at the Psalms, they said, ah, when the Messiah comes, so they put two and two together. They said, the Messiah is going to be like David. So the Messiah comes, at some point he's going to get betrayed. Mm-hmm. He's going to get stabbed in the back, and he's going to get ganged up on. And they looked at different Psalms of David to say, what does it look like? And it's interesting now, because then when the New Testament starts being written, right, all of a sudden Jesus starts fulfilling all these things they're seeing in Psalms. Let me give you a couple. Psalm 41, 9. Even my close friend, this is David speaking. He's lamenting in the Psalms. Even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread, has turned against me. Jesus quotes this exact thing when he's looking at Judas, and he says, the one who dips in the bowl with me at, at the la- in, the, in the Last Supper, uh, he quotes this psalm to say that. So people would read that and go, oh, so Jesus is sort of acting, this is Jesus's betrayal, that we see it. Or in Psalm 69, which uh, Milo just uh, quoted uh, early on, make their, uh, he, he's, he's yelling at his enemies, right? And he says, I want uh, to make their loins tremble continually. So you talked about, like, why do we need to know that Judas's, like, bowels, like, spilled out everywhere? Like, that seems, again, like a random detail. They would have seen it in Psalms. They would have said, oh, that's what David wanted his enemies to do, and look what happened. Then, as you mentioned, Milo, may their place be deserted, let no one dwell in their tents, so he, he buys this field. So all of these things are happening, but then we get to this last one. We get to this last one, Psalm 109. May his days be few. May another take his place in leadership. Ah, Peter goes, we haven't done that one yet. Yep. See, all the other Psalms he's, he's fulfilled, but we've got one more thing to go. If we don't do this, they might look at that and go, well, you didn't, you didn't replace him. So, yep. so it's almost as if uh, Peter's going, hey, guys, I know the scripture. I've been reading the scripture We've got one more thing to do, and then all of the scripture will be complete. Now we can go out and really say Jesus has, has fulfilled it all. I, I do have to say, so I'm going to come to you in a second here, Mario. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian, when I hand it over to you, like you need a pair of glasses that you push yeah. up and say, well, actually. <laughs> and then you begin talking about like, like you're just on fire right now. You're so it. stoked about this. Well, again, it's that whole, it's that whole, like, why do we need to know his bowels came out? Like, I was, yeah, I was like, that's really specific. But then, that, so this is where I get a fire for, is the scripture is so amazing that yeah. every last detail has something connected to it that opens it alive. Man, that, that fires me up. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Well, Amen, boy, brother. there you go. Yeah. Amen. Mario, what do you think? What do you I got I'm going to top that. I don't no. know where to go from that. Yeah. But let's not he forget. He said loins, too, by the oh, way. Yeah. Did you pick I'm up on that? I'm not going there. Yeah. Loins. <laughs> loins. Let's not, uh, let me go back to season one, season two. Season one, season two. I'm with you. And, and before I get there, let me just, let's just point out a fact. Peter mm-hmm. is not a theologian. No, he's a fisherman. Okay. He doesn't have a doctorate. He doesn't have a PhD. He is a fisherman. Mm-hmm. Okay. So whatever we know about the status of fishermen during the first century, uh, he is not a theologian, but he is a man who has encountered Jesus, right? He is a man who walked with Jesus. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is the word. In John 1, it says that the word became flesh. And so here is God with God in man walking with his disciples for three years. These men encountered Jesus. That radically changed their life. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, let's go back to season one, the book of Luke. 
In the book of Luke, it's when we see the story on the road to Emmaus, yeah. where Jesus opens the eyes of his dis disciples, and it says that he opens the scriptures and reveals to them how through all the Old Testament he has been spoken of. And so now we fast forward to season two in Acts, and mm -hmm. what do we see Peter doing? Yep. Quoting the Old Testament. Yep. Because yep. again, when you have an encounter with God's word, you have an encounter with Jesus, uh, your faith begins to grow. If I can take that a step further, um, James, Jesus' half-brother, writes in his book, in James chapter 1, he says to the, to the listeners, he says, get rid of all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Mm. Again, James wasn't a theologian, but he lived with Jesus. Yeah. He grew up with Jesus. He was a disciple of Jesus. And here he says, it's God's words that's going to lead you into understanding what salvation is. So if we can get really practical right here, uh, for those who are listening, those who are watching on Facebook, have you encountered Jesus? Yeah. Have you encountered the living word of God who came, who spoke God's word? And have you come to a point where you have, you've come to know him and love him and, and let the word of God transform your life? Because if you haven't, why not right now? Yeah, yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. So, so let's let's actually do that right now. So we got pause, and we've got read and reflect. So, so just for a moment, let's pause. We're going to continue on with our four points here that we're going to get through this morning. Uh, but as we pause, we read and reflect. Let's pause for a moment, guys. Are we seeing anything on, on this Facebook stream that we can interact with, uh, that we can kind of be able to discuss some of these points of? particularly that point of being able to say, like, is Christ real to you? The same way that the Apostle Peter, uh, this man who is on the fringes of society, and now he is stepping forward as a leader uh, for the new church that would be uh, being demonstrated and how he is reading God's word and it's coming alive. Uh, are there any examples of that? Anything that we want to be able to share here this morning? Well, um, people are, are starting to chime in a little bit with uh, things that are interesting, uh, the connection between um, uh, Psalm 109 particularly and Acts 1. Um, but I think, I think what Pastor uh, uh, Mario is saying is true. Like, there's this encounter, right? And, and the same thing with you know, Peter. He wants to replace Judas not in order to get his uh, flow chart in the right enough place. men on the field. Right, yeah, like right. He's, not, mm -hmm. he's not creating a system. He wants to do this so that Jesus will be magnified all the more. Yeah. He, yeah. He's doing, again, I think that's where the insight of knowing why did he want to replace Judas, because he wanted every single prophecy to be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So that when he was ready, when, he was re when they were ready to get sent out, and when next week when we look at the Holy Spirit coming, and they are itching to go, they have, they, have, they have everything they've done in their decision making was to glorify God. So, so I think Mario had it uh, right that we yeah. are encountering uh, the living God. And then in our decision making, every decision we make is a decision that helps glorify God more, yeah. even in the little things. And so I'd, I'd ask a question as we're interacting with you, like, where have you had to make a decision in uh, how might it uh, glorify God more? Uh, as you're as you're making that decision, uh, where you weigh that a little bit, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. that's yeah. great. Um, because and I, I see that Don uh, Zizak uh, asked that question. I wonder if Paul would have been the twelfth one if Peter didn't act the right way, right? Mm -hmm. So that's like that's a good question. That's a valid question because yeah. we see later in the Book of Acts uh, that 
Paul becomes an apostle of Christ. Because mm -hmm. actually, we don't ever hear Matthias ever again. No. Did we get no. to that point in the scripture? I may have jumped ahead. Yeah. But we Spoiler don't... alert. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a little bit later in the message. We're going to get there. Okay. Yeah, right. But got yeah, great question, Don. Yeah, because yeah. that's, that's, that's actually a really good, interesting uh, yeah, yeah. and that. there's yeah. actually uh, some people who believe that Peter jumped the gun. He shouldn't yeah. have done this. Yeah. Yeah. That th that this last spot was always intended for Paul, mm -hmm. and that Peter uh, kind of ran ahead yeah. of the Holy yeah. Spirit and yeah. doing this. Now others disagree. So this is a this yeah. is one of those like we don't know. There there's debate about that. But most that I've read uh, don't believe that. They think that P Peter was doing this again intentionally in order to make Jesus' name uh, bigger and, and greater um, for that. Well, and Peter is known for his, his brash attitude. For Impulsiveness. Quickly, <laughs> Impulsiveness, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but it would seem that he is not in that same frame of mind after Christ no. gets a hold of him, that encounter that he has, after Christ gets a hold of him, as he uh, has now made a fool of himself uh, by denying Christ. And that seems like from that point on, that the Apostle Peter's steps look uh, drastically different. So let's continue on. You got something well, else? Well, Tim, Tim Whalen just got said, walking with Jesus for three years would pretty much make you a theologian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would hope Not so. Not with title, obviously. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have the, the, uh, the frame on the wall for that one, yeah. but yes, for sure. So what to do when you aren't sure what to do? Let's continue forward. We got three steps we're giving you here. Pause, read and reflect, and then thirdly, assess. Thirdly is assess. So what are we going to do when you aren't sure what to do? Pause, read and reflect, Assess. Continuing on, verse 21. Verse 21. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time that the Lord Jesus was living among us. That's an important piece. Beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men. Joseph, called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Or Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which one of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. All right, so what are you to do when you aren't sure what to do? Pause, read and reflect, assess. Pause, read and reflect, assess. Now, don't you think that if God gave his son Jesus, who gave his life uh, for the church, don't you think that it's vitally important to him who is going to lead the church? Uh, now that Judas is not part of the scene and Judas left to go where he belongs is what the Apostle Peter says. Uh, don't you think that God thinks it's important who leads his church? Don't you think that he would have a desire for them to make the right decision moving forward? When we look at things in our lives, uh, there are times when we are trying to make a decision and we kind of have this assumption that God doesn't care what our next decision might be or that it doesn't matter to him or that he started and, and the argument that he spun the earth into motion and just looked away and just let things go as they will. But he actually is very concerned what happens uh, with the church. And right now, God is very concerned and very knowledgeable and very aware of what is going on in the middle of a global pandemic. He has not forgotten about you. He is aware of the tough decisions that you are making right now. He knows that the course of your life could be changed with the decisions that you are making this week. And he is aware and he is going to have uh, something to say for you in that. And so what the Apostle Peter is doing is he is assessing the situation. So again, if we look at, uh, you can read all the news articles that you want right now. You can, you can look at all of the, the news channels feeds and, and they're taking all this information 
Uh, we can look at Scripture and we can take all this information, but now we have to actually sift it out a little bit. We have to assess it, and that's what the Apostle Peter is doing here. He's assessing, that, let's do something with, let's take inventory with what we have in front of us. We have two men, Justice and Matthias, and they have the credibility of having both been present from Jesus' baptism all the way through Jesus' ascension. And he's saying, now these guys are both credible. These are two good options. Let's talk about it here. So uh, when we talk about an assessment process, when we're not sure what to do, how do we go about that assessment process? Well, if I can jump in here, what I, what I love about this is there's just names being dropped. This whole, everything yeah. you've read so far is all about names and names yeah. and names. Yeah. Because it's about real people once again. Oh, yeah. And assessing where real people are in their faith. And I think that's a really cool aspect that, that, um, that the scripture writer brings up here. Because, um, listen, the, the church is about real people, about real emotions, about real things happening. This, song, yeah. this isn't a made-up story. This is about things that really happen here. And, um, and I think that's important that God brings this out in each of these scriptures. And also, listen to what it says in verse 22. It was important that this person who they chose was with them beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. Isn't it funny to note that in the scripture, we don't get the name of everybody who was following Jesus. Right. But yet, we know there was a group of people that were following Jesus besides the 12 apostles that were with Jesus from the beginning of the baptism all the way until his resurrection. Man, if, if, when you talk about an assessment, yeah. right, what kind of experience does a person have? Right. You know, this is the unknown guy that we, he's been with Jesus for three years and he finally gets credit, if you yep. will. Yep. You know, he's finally... Um, he's, he's like maybe the, the second, third string quarterback. I don't know. Yeah, but you he's guys, been there. Yeah. He's been there. You yeah, know right, I mean? yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. reading a commentary that said he was, he, uh, was one of the 70 disciples that went out two by two. So mm -hmm. like that both of these guys were present in that group of people. Um, but yet we don't have anything else written about him. We don't know anything else about him. Uh, in this case, if you know the, the, the rest of the story, it's going to be that uh, Matthias is going to be chosen and yet Justice is not, I don't think, right? He isn't sent back down to the minor leagues. I mean, he's still going to be part of what's happening there uh, in the church. Uh, Brian, aren't these both good options? Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of when we talked about before about the bad options, and we talked about the intellect one. Um, using your intellect isn't wrong. In fact, you, you need it. And so when you look at these options, they are making choices using their head. They're saying, what are some criteria that we're going to use? They need to be with Jesus. They need to have seen all. Like, so they're using their head, but then it gets to a point where you've got two. You've, yeah. got, you've got two, and now what do you do? And, and, and they pray, and they say, God, show us. Show us. Uh, you know our hearts. Uh, show us which one, uh, which one it's going to be. And so either option isn't bad. And I don't know about you, but sometimes in life, that's true. Uh, that was sort of how we felt when we were, um, when we were ready to, to move on from Rochester. There were some great options uh, in Boston. There were some great options in Philadelphia. And there was a great option here. And I don't believe that if we'd have chosen one or the other, that somehow God would have thrown up his hands and said, well, uh, you, you missed it. I can't right? work with this Right, guy. I can't yeah. work with, right, your whole yeah. life is ruined, right? <laughs> but we, we said, God, we've got two good options here or three good options here. Where, where are you leading us? And uh, I remember we were sitting in this room. Um, we had come to visit for a weekend. And 
I, we just had a, a Holy Spirit moment where we just felt he, he knew our hearts and he said, this is, this is the place. And that was really what changed. Because honestly, we came in thinking, well, maybe this. We don't you know, really know. And that, that time with the Holy Spirit really uh, opened us up. But yeah, there were many multiple options. But mm. God said, this is the one I want, that I want you to be part of. That's good. All right. So what to do when you aren't sure what to do? We pause. We read. We assess. And then very, very specifically what uh, Brian just shared with us there, we yield. We pause, read and reflect, assess, and yield. What's he's, that's what he's describing of being in that moment where the Holy Spirit kind of moved in his heart and be able to say, this is the steps that I need to take. Check this out. Acts chapter 1, verse 26. Then they cast lots. The lot fell to Matthias. And this is, this is the action step that is immediately taken. This is exactly what they do. They make the decision. Uh, all this process, they've come to a decision, and now they're going to move forward. So he was added to the 11 apostles, became the 12th apostle. So they cast the lots, the lot fell to Matthias, who's added to the 11 apostles. Uh, over in John chapter 16, would you jump in there and, and share with us what, what we see there with the Holy Spirit? Yeah, so, so the, the big question that comes up here always is, well, what's up with the casting of the lots there? Yeah. Like, that, that's, kind of, that's kind of fun. How come we don't do that today, right? How come we don't just, am I going to have a ham sandwich today or a turkey sandwich? <laughs> and roll it, right? Roll the die, right? And see which one, right? Well, why, why do we only read that here in the New Testament and, and nowhere else? Well, what they're doing is they're following, actually, a provision in the law from Leviticus, where you can cast lots to make decisions. But the reason they're doing that is because they it's pre-Pentecost. The Holy Spirit hasn't come upon them. That's the whole reason why they have to wait, right? Is because God says, I don't want you to do anything without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And Which so he comes in the next episode. He, right. Yeah, right. And so the yeah. next episode, he's yeah. coming. So they're 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 still functioning essentially in Old Testament yeah. uh, rules and, and ways of making decisions. And so they cast a lot because that's that's what they know to do. Next episode, the Holy Spirit comes. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he's the one that now can guide decisions. He's the one that can help with that. And so, yeah, in this uh, passage, uh, Jesus talks about the Spirit in John chapter 16. And in verse 13, he says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. And so once the Holy Spirit comes, there's no need for casting lots anymore because we have something better. We have the Holy Spirit that's going to guide us in all truth. That's great. Amen. What to do when you aren't sure what to do. Pause, read, and reflect. Assess and yield. So if you are the type of person who just saw through it right from the beginning, uh, here's what the point we want to make to you. What to do when you aren't sure what to do. Pray. P-R-A-Y. I see what you did there. Yes, I know you did. I know you saw it a mile away. Uh, it's a good one. But yes, what to do when you aren't sure what to do. P-R-A-Y. What you see here in this passage, what you see when it comes to any decision that we're going to make that is a biblically driven decision that we're going to trust that God is in, uh, you are going to pause and pray. You are going to reflect but you had better be praying when you're reflecting. You're going to assess the situation. You're going to look at all of the factors. But my goodness, you had better be in prayer when you do that. And uh, furthermore, if you're going to yield to what God has, has given, in this case, they, they saw the lots had been cast and they had a decision to make and they were going to move forward. They were yielding. They were surrendering to what God was saying. They, you better believe they were praying together of what was going to be next in their lives. What are you going to do when you aren't sure what to do? Pray. Pause, reflect, 
assess, and yield. And so this morning, uh, we pray that this has been an encouragement to you so far as we've just been having this discussion about what we see in this first chapter of Acts. We want to be tremendously practical about this as well because we know that many of you are going through some really difficult times this week. As we said at the beginning, uh, this is a uh, tough season. Uh, These are tough times that some of you are making some tough decisions uh, that you aren't sure what to do. And so as we look at these things, we want to be uh, in a season of prayer. And so as a church, uh, we do a, a kind of a standard rotation where typically you would have been here this morning. We would have been praying as a congregation together. And so uh, we want to be able to encourage you this morning and give you a few prompts so that you, uh, as you are making decisions, as you are uh, taking steps this week, there are some things uh, that we'd love you to be in prayer for. Yeah, we've realized uh, over the course of the last couple weeks that many of you are at home uh, and you're streaming this service uh, not on your phone, through your phone, but maybe putting it to your television. And so you may not be watching what the comments are saying, and that's great. But we do want to take a moment to pray together as a congregation. And so we don't want to disrupt however you're having family worship time at your home this morning. But maybe if you would, if you have a pen or paper there, I want to give you an email that uh, we, want to, we want to know what we can pray for as a church together. Uh, so if you wouldn't mind writing down prayer at randallchurch.org, that is the email address for the church that you can send prayer requests to. And we, uh, you know, church isn't closed. The doors are closed, but the activities of the church are still happening. We're still praying. We're still meeting interactively like this. And we're going to still pray this morning together as a congregation. So before I go any further, if you would please write that email down. If you uh, feel comfortable putting in the comments any prayer requests that you might have at this time, we're going to spend a few minutes this morning praying together. And wherever you may be at at your home, uh, you can pray together. When the service is over, we will let the stream be a little bit longer. You can pray together as a family. But um, let's just lift up our, our church today. Let's lift up what God is doing in our community in this area and in prayer. And uh, Brian, if you guys can help me out, if anybody's putting anything up there, I will uh, just review some of the prayers we have received already. And I think, Milo, you might have one also. Uh, But we do want to pray for uh, um, Judy Agostini. Uh, We we got an email that says she'll be undergoing the first of four radiation treatments. And so uh, we want to pray for her. She's one of our missionaries, Brian. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Okay. We also want to pray for um, Tim Grafham's older brother, Ted, and his wife, Heather. They have uh, COVID-19, so we want to pray for them. Tim, maybe you guys could give us an update uh, and an email how they're doing. We also want to, we want to thank God for the live stream. Thank you so much, uh, uh, Tim and Dan and, uh, Dan and Sam up in our booth right now running and all that. We, we thank God for you guys being here and doing that. So that's a praise report. We want to pray for Vicki. Vicki mm-hmm. is going to be having surgery on Wednesday, and I believe this morning, as a matter of fact, while we are in church, she is getting tested for, uh, for, the, for COVID-19 to make sure she can have that surgery. So we want to pray for her, and we just want to pray that uh, God's peace would be in our community. There's many, uh, there's several of you in our church family that, are, um, that work in the medical field. You're actively involved. You're on the front lines. We want to lift you up. We want to pray for you. We want to thank God for you. And um, I, will, um, I will pray right now, and if anything is coming across through our social media feed, we will pray for that as well. Okay, so let's just spend a few minutes praying together. 
Lord, thank you so much for the time that we can be together as a church. Even though we are distant from one another, we thank you for the, the technology we have to be united uh, in your name, Lord God. Thank you for this morning and, and the, the, the message that you've put on Pastor Milo's heart. Pray. We need to be people who pause. We need to reflect. We need to assess and we need to yield to you, Lord. And so we come now at this time, God, and I want to specifically right now just pray for our sister Vicki as she is getting ready to have surgery this week. Lord, I pray that you would bring peace upon her family. I pray that all the anxiety and things that come along with the surgery, and particularly in her current situation medically, Lord, I just pray your peace will just cover them. I pray that all the things will work out for her, that, um, that you would just be blessed and glorified in her life. And I thank you for her faith during this time as she's clinging to you and as she's drawing close to you. Lord, there's many other folks in our congregation who are suffering medically. Um, and just pray for them, lift them up to you also this morning. Pray for the Graphams as they're experiencing uh, the sickness right now with uh, Corona. Pray for Ted and Heather that you would help them to get through this season and that you would help them to recover and to recover swiftly, God. Lord, I thank you for all that you're doing in this church. Help us to be people who pray and to be people who seek after you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this time to come together and pray. We thank you for your word, the way that you've demonstrated yourself uh, alive and active, working in real people's lives, as Pastor Mario said earlier, uh, people who would not normally be thrust into the spotlight, and yet uh, you're using them in Scripture. Uh, very similar days today, Lord, where there are people who would not normally be thrust in the spotlight and they are now having to make difficult decisions uh, that they weren't ready for and they seem to be uh, time sensitive and all those things. Lord, I pray that you would just give uh, wisdom, Lord, for those who ask of you, for those who are praying all around the world right now for uh, advice and for counsel, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come and be the great counselor and be the great comforter in these days. Lord, I do pray for the Hamilton family, knowing uh, that Heather is going to be able to see a surgeon this week, uh, knowing that there's a lot of complications that could come from that, uh, a lot there to be uh, concerned about. Lord, I pray that you would just uh, uh, ease her heart, uh, allow her to go in with confidence, knowing uh, that you are in control. I do pray for Rick, knowing that he is uh, still able to work at the nursing home, but that is an area that... Uh, he's very concerned about, Lord, of whether he would be transferring something, whether he's uh, able to keep himself uh, from uh, carrying anything. Lord, I pray that you would just work in him, uh, allow him to have uh, the anxiety of that to be down. And then their son, Kevin, as well, uh, just uh, knowing that both of his parents are in these situations, Lord, being concerned uh, for all who are dealing with COVID-19. So I pray that you would uh, work in his life and in his heart as well as you just uh, ease him in that. Lord, we do pray for uh, Rich Bartz, Adam and Michelle, knowing that they've got a baby on the way that could happen any day this week. Uh, there's a lot exciting there to celebrate. Um, and so in the midst, Lord, of, of seeing number after number after number of deaths in this country, Lord, we do look forward with anticipation and hope for a new life to come into this world. A world, Lord, that is not lost, that is not abandoned. Lord, you have created this uh, place for your children. And so, Lord, a new life, uh, we will celebrate that and celebrate the hope that you have and the hope that we have in Christ. We thank you, Lord. Lord, I do thank you for this uh, medium to be able to connect um, online when we're uh, 
far apart. Uh, so, Lord, uh, will you bind our hearts together now, Lord, as we just pray uh, together in one voice uh, for, our, for our people, for our world. Lord, I pray for um, those in our congregation, Lord, that are just stir-crazy, uh, those that are lonely, uh, those that have had to see things get canceled that were important uh, for uh, job uh, insecurity. Um, Lord, there's a lot of things right now where we need to make uh, decisions, Lord, but as we saw here today, God, may we make decisions that ultimately glorify you, that uh, in every decision we make, uh, whether they're big or small, Lord, that we're pointing back uh, to you as Messiah. And so, Lord, we just pray as we continue to lift up our, um, lift up our community for prayers that are coming in through that email. Um, Lord, may we be a community that is praying. Uh, may we be a community that's seeking you, and may we be a community that continues to show others what, it, what does it mean to be part of this, this new kingdom uh, of the church. So we thank you, God. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 We pray that uh, this morning you're blessed by our church service. Uh, just as a reminder, you can send prayer requests or any needs you have to prayer at randallchurch.org, to mario at randallchurch.org, to milo at randallchurch.org, or to brian at randallchurch.org, or to the office at randallchurch.org. So a lot of emails there. There's a lot of ways to get in touch. Yeah. Um, but please let us know if there's any needs or anything you have that we can be in prayer for uh, as we go through this together. I think we're about to wrap it up, Milo. Yep. Uh, we have some announcements yep. that I'll walk us through. Okay. Um, so if, unless you guys got anything else before we do that, okay? Go, go for ahead. It. Go for it. Okay, so we do have some ways for everybody to stay connected this week virtually, as they may be. And uh, uh, we're going to start with the youth group. Uh, so actually starting this evening, the Randall High School group will be meeting via Zoom at 6 p.m. And we will be, set, as soon as I get home, I'll be sending the email to all of the parents so that they have the code for that. Uh, and also um, at 6 p.m., that's tonight, all right? So there's our slide there. You should be seeing that, 6 p.m. via Zoom. Myself and our other youth leadership will be there, uh, and so we will spend about an hour together interacting, seeing how everybody's doing, and we look forward to seeing you there. All right, uh, and another way to stay connected is on Monday night. We have Pastor Milo and his wife Erin will be uh, hosting their virtual group at 8.30 on Facebook Live, and that's on the Randall Church Facebook page, so please uh, plug into that. Um, it's been a couple a uh, couple weeks now. You guys had a pretty good crowd um, uh, in joining in on that, and so that's been exciting to be uh, seeing what's happening there. Uh, following on Tuesday, we have the Tuesday at two live stream with uh, myself and um, and Denise will be there also. We will be uh, doing our weekly um, antics for the students. <laughs> All right. And, uh, and also on Tuesday night, we are not leaving the middle school out. So middle school at 6.30 p.m. on Tuesday night, we will have a Zoom meeting with you also. So parents, you will be getting that email with the uh, information for that so your students can join us. On Wednesday night, Pastor Brian and Molly will be holding their virtual group on Facebook Live. And so uh, maybe this week Brian can uh, talk about, uh, I heard he finished painting his house. Did. Or his, yeah, so maybe you'll get some information on that because mm. they were... They were definitely busy during the quarantine here. Yeah. So, <laughs> getting stuff done. Getting stuff done, yeah. <laughs> hey, if your uh, children or your students are a part of our groups that happen on Thursday night, you can look forward to that with our partner groups, uh, Christian Service Brigade, American Heritage Girls. And I believe most people are plugged into that. So um, thank you um, for those ministry leaders who are taking care of that and ministering to our, our younger generation in that regard. 
Okay, Friday night is a night off, so um, enjoy that time together as a family. And then Saturday, you should be receiving the emails from our children's ministry, which again is for, is for you to use as a family uh, on the weekend for church service, whether that's during the service time now or whenever that happens for you. So thank you for our, our ministry leaders in the children's area for putting that together. Okay, I think that wraps it up for that. And then, yeah, we'd love to see you back again next yeah. Sunday. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah that's we're gonna do that. We're gonna, we're gonna do that. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sundays at ten fifteen, we'll be here, uh, broadcasting from the church. Uh, hopefully, uh, with with more to share. Uh, we want to encourage you to uh, continue to give online. Many of you have changed over to that. We ask you to to use the. Uh, reoccurring payments as a pledge method for us as we are setting our budget for the coming year. As you know, uh, the, the world has changed significantly over the last month or so, and as we uh, begin our plans for the coming year, we'd love to have you uh, use that as a way to be able to give to the church. It allows us to plan give.randallchurch.org. Also encouraging you, uh, I don't know if you guys did, actually Brian and I know that we did, uh, we got a little bit of a check in, in our uh, inbox uh, this week mm -hmm. when, in regards to that. So we do encourage you uh, to give back what the Lord has given to you and so to tithe on what uh, you were able to receive from the government funding this week and, uh, and those of you who still have that coming in. Uh, and we, we promise that we will also do the same, that we will tithe on that. We will be uh, sending that money back out the door to our missionaries, to our partners, uh, to be able to use uh, God's uh, gifts in that way. So thank you so much for being a part today. Uh, we want to continue the dialogue. As Mario said, we'll keep going here for a few minutes afterwards, but you're always, please, please, please interact with us this week. If you've got any concerns, uh, we'd love to be able to uh, follow up, and uh, it's a privilege for us to do so. So with that, uh, we hope that you will continue this week on finding your place upward in Christ, inward in the church, and outward in the community. And just like the apostles were told to do, they were told to go after they made the decision. So this morning, we go. God be with you. Grace and peace. Have a great week.